Welcome back to Jump Cut. I'm your co-host Hashem. And I'm Leander. And today we're reviewing everything, everywhere, all at once. And we're joined by our guest stars, Jordine and Noel. Hey guys. Hi. <laughs> and that's all we got. That was so cute. That was the script. So, that was it. <laughs> so I just want to preface that while cute that Jordine and Noel both wanted to play us, air quotes, in this episode, I think you guys fumbled it because Leander and I don't introduce ourselves until three minutes into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you needed to have a shitty intro that was unplanned, unfunny, and then stumbles its way into introducing the podcast. And yeah. Did, did you say jump you're cut? Right, you're was right. all that hit all the basics? It's all done? Oh, God. Welcome did to- I? Yeah, I did. Okay. I wrote it okay. down, so I did say jump cut. <laughs> okay. On, and I guess on this on her phone, it says uh, exit left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exit stage left. <laughs> this is going to be a chaotic one. This is the first time we've had four people on an episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that exciting? We should talk all at once. We should it all talk exciting. at once. Yeah, I think I mean, fits with the theme of the episode, right? It definitely yeah. does. I think that this one is fitting. Hashem and I are going to split editing. Uh, I'm going to edit me and Noel, and he's going <laughs> to edit Leander and himself. That's what I said. When we were talking we're about put planning. it together and upload. Yeah, we were talking about planning this. I was like, you guys should edit, split it vertically, like cutting a cake directly through the layer of frosting <laughs> in the center. That'd be good. <laughs> two people edit two audio tracks, and then you just mash them together with the other two edited ones. It it's like almost wait, like do you mean horizontally? Horizontally, it's almost yeah. like splitting a bagel and then putting something inside of it. Today <laughs> we're talking about that? everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> already, so, that was our intro. Already, That's they, it. They already brought up the movie. <laughs> they already brought it up. <laughs> God. Something else about today that's special is that um, we're actually, we've got our videos on and they, the guys don't usually record with their videos on. So I don't know, this feels very intimate it for does. an audio format. Yeah, <laughs> I get to look at all of you while I fumble through my words. So much more intimate. Exactly. They can see me having my comedy routine. Yeah. If anybody starts munching on carrots, Noel, uh, we can, you know, we can out them. Yeah. So it'll be cool. Couldn't be me. Anyway. How are we going to get started? Let's... Give our spoiler-free opinions on the movie. I thought, which I think... wait, 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 wait. I thought you guys have to talk about video games first. Video games yeah, are good. Video, video games are cool. Right now, I'm playing Returnal. I think Leander is still playing Elden Ring. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. This is actually a good point. I was going to skip the whole video game talk because there's like four audio tracks. Only two people are going to be talking. But I want to get your opinions on this. Hashem sent a video essay on this game Returnal in chat today. Okay. The Mm -hmm. essay spoiled the entire game. This plot-heavy, very interesting game. And he was like, ah, I don't care about spoilers. What's your opinion on that? If a game has twists in it, or a game, movie, TV show has twists in it, exposing yourself to the twists is is gonna ruin that first experience for you don't you think yeah i i saw your i just like skim through your guys's messages in the group chat we're all in this um and i kind i don't know i just skim through hashem's response but for me personally i don't know it's about the ex- like it is part of the experience of the game right is being like shocked question mark or however like having that reaction to what you thought was real what you thought was not real or whatever it is i feel like having it spoiled whether in like a video essay or someone just like tells you like by accident or whatever i feel like it does kind of take away i feel the same way about movies about video games about books exactly like if there's intention behind the writing that you are surprised by this twist towards the end or the middle or whatever then 
Yeah, I don't know. I'd be upset about it. Right. So Hashem's a weird freak. I definitely am. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even saying that I'm in the... I am definitely the minority here. People do not like spoilers. I just don't care. I feel like it doesn't ruin the experience for me. I'm still able to enjoy the piece of media. Not necessarily as the creator intended, but I still hey, like dumbass. it. dumbass. You can't have the experience anymore. It can't be ruined for you because you robbed I yourself got... of it. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't. You can't be like, oh, the twist, you know, I still had the experience because I saw someone talk. No, you missed it. You can't have it. It doesn't. You, you, oh, well. you lost out, buddy. I don't know. Noel, what do you think? I'm... I, whenever I would get a new book, I would like when I was younger, I'd always read the last page. Oh my god, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, which is wow. why I'm always surprised. Hold on, hold on, hold you on. have you have no patience for like, like if as soon as you have a surprise for someone, you're like, want to see the envelope? Can I show you the receipt? Like you're so. <laughs> okay, that's so true. I fact, am that kind of person. The fact that you have that, I would have thought that you would be a someone to spoil it for yourself because you can't hold yeah. things in. I I don't like. Okay, when I read the last pages of a book, I would read like the last sentence and usually when you first get a book, right, you usually don't have enough context to understand any of what the end says. And I, I don't remember, obviously, I don't remember ever having properly spoiled myself for the ending of a book just because I didn't understand what was going on at the end before reading it. But yeah, I have trouble. Okay, I have trouble keeping secrets. I feel like that's different from <laughs> yeah. from not liking spoilers. Spoilers are just, I, are just book secrets. Yeah, I guess She's so. right. I don't know. Noelle's right. <laughs> maybe no i'm not i'm this is an indefensible position to be honest with you i don't think <laughs> i've had this conversation with my sister before where i would hear a spoiler about a movie and i'm like eh, it's probably fine like i knew the ending to logan for example before i watched it right and i didn't care and i still watched the movie and i had a great time even though i technically knew the ending i don't know it doesn't really bother me i think i think i agree with that Ex unless it's like something that i'm super excited for but I feel like I don't like the unknown. But <laughs> that's intense. But that is very intense. Not to get uh, a you deep, absolute but... psychopaths. All of you are wrong, and you're doing so so loudly, and it's just this is this is insane to me because like the the idea of being presented with a new story, the complete like compelling plot or whatever, like it's brand new and exciting. It's not something you've seen before. You can theorize about it and talk about it with your friends and robbing yourself of that conversation to fill it with somebody else's opinion piece ahead of time or like even reading the last page of a book without understanding you're 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 gonna have an idea of where the story goes and then all your thoughts while experiencing the story are going to be okay how does this line up back with the thought i know is going to happen at the end you know a character dies every scene they're in you're going to be thinking how is this where they die is this where they die is this where they die and that corrupts your experience of the story because i think in the moment, they want you to be experiencing different things, but all that's going to be on your mind is the random Twitter spoiler you read from Spider-Man or that's whatever. That's true. And I hate that. I get what you're saying. I think corrupts is a strong word. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, you don't technically have the experience that the author or the creator wanted for you, but there are certain pieces of media that start with the ending. And so you are also having the same experience where you start off the movie and you go through it watching leander's shaking his head right now so this is very surreal to me because usually there's <laughs> no back and forth like this <laughs> normally because our videos are off you wouldn't see me reacting with my shaking my head but i do this all the time whenever you speak i am feeling shame i am feeling disappointment i'm about keep, to get a talking to later keep tonight speaking. <laughs> keep speaking say your bullshit thing let jordine speak afterwards to defend you and then i'll tell both of you all you're wrong 
I don't even think Jordy is defending me. She sided with you before. <laughs> and this is what I'm I, – I just think – I'm not even, like, defend – like, I'm not saying that you should go out and seek spoilers. I'm just saying that for me personally, that ain't no problem, you know? It doesn't really bother me. I don't think it ruins – it changes the experience, but it doesn't necessarily ruin it. It kills it. It corrupts it. It dies. <laughs> it poisons the experience. It's a toxic environment that you're introducing into the experience. And the more twisty and intriguing the plot, the harder it steps on that baby of enjoyment that you had. So, yeah. Not to use any descriptive Damn. language or whatever, but yeah, that's just... No, 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 I no. I think it. Returnal is a special case for sure. <laughs> So I get why you're taking this a little personally or like a little more seriously. <laughs> why don't why don't you just go ahead and spoil it for our entire audience? Just like draw because you know, you're they still have the experience. They could go at Bro, Han Solo dies. What do you want me to say? Actually, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I have a story. I have a story. I was like legitimately excited. Was that the first movie that yeah, that yeah, happened? Force Awakens. Spoilers, spoilers for Star Wars. <laughs> Even though I think it came out like 8 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> but my, we were in, um, we we're going to see Star Wars. I was like super excited because I was like with my dad and everything. And like, and we were in the theater sitting down and I knew that there was like, already this is kind of a spoiler, but I knew like major events happened because everyone was just like, oh, do you know what happens? And so I knew that like something happens. Um, like we would, we would be talking at school and I'm like, nope, like don't tell me anything. Like I don't, I want to go into it like completely blind and so we were sitting we were playing time play so it was literally like right before the movie starts and one of the questions was something like um it was a question about the movie something about one of the characters and like i can't remember the question but it was who does this in the movie and then one of the options was han solo and i was like i think it's han solo and my sister like no hesitation goes nobody dies in this movie and i was just kind of like <laughs> i made it this far I mean, it's so freaking far oh without getting any spoilers. And literally, like, five minutes before the movie starts, she just, and then she, like, immediately, like, put her hand over her mouth, and she's like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I've me. told you this before, that your sister, like, no offense to your sister, but no, she seems her. like the person who would not be able to keep in anything. Nope. <laughs> this is I funny. Think I think <laughs> I spoiled a movie or a show for Leander in first year or second year. <laughs> And I don't even remember what it was, but he got genuinely upset at me. And I can't remember what the fucking <laughs> movie so was. Funny. No. It sounds so familiar, <laughs> but I don't remember what it was either. We were sitting we were sitting in the uh what's the math building? Uh DC. We were sitting uh -huh. in the DC cafeteria. And I think Ryan and I were talking about a movie or a show, yeah. and I mentioned something offhand, and you were like, Why would you say that? I haven't watched it. And I was like, <laughs> Because I distinctly remember that the show had been out for like two fucking years at that point. So it's Honestly, not like it was new. <laughs> I think we had these discussions before about like the meritocracy of being offended by something being spoiled for you. I feel like if it's been out for a little bit, like that's on me. Just hearing that story without any context, <laughs> I feel like that's on me. If it's like brand new, you got like a few yeah. weeks of safety or whatever, and you have to, you know, set your own Twitter filters to avoid all the spoilers like that's still on you but like i don't know if it's been like two years and someone's like oh i'm just getting around to watching like fuck off <laughs> i don't, I don't want to yeah. stop my conversation don't tell me yo i don't know who luke's dad is don't tell me it's too i haven't seen it yet <laughs> <laughs> exactly right like some of these things are just like common knowledge at this point like harry potter or whatever like it's not a big deal anymore 
can't be offended by current it. Leander does not respect past Leander. Current yeah, no. <laughs> current me hates past me. Yes. As you should. Everybody should hate their past self. You guys should Good watch Stranger Things. That's the current one that's going around yes. work where people are like, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. And yeah, I get it. You don't have 18 hours of your life to dedicate to this show because you have like <laughs> in one day other adult things to do like uh, taxes and groceries or whatever. But like just binge it. It's great. I want to I want to talk about this show once it finales. I think it's a serious finale, right? Is that uh, is my understanding correct on that? I don't actually know. Oh, okay. I was hoping it'd be a serious finale. I don't I'm know whether. I'm hoping too. I, I I feel like if they commit to having, I was thinking about this recently when I watched this essay about Gravity Falls and ending on your own terms as a TV show, and how just it could be so fulfilling as an audience member because yeah. they can hit every single storyline, complete them all, and then end off on like a bang or whatever. Breaking Bad did it. Gravity Falls did it. If Stranger Things Shit's gets did like, it. yeah, Shit's Sopranos. Creek. There you go. If like Stranger Things falls victim to the Netflix like pumping it out with like the sausage extruder for like shitty little plots that just keep going, it's gonna it make it make me sad. But I, I feel like it's I ramping think, up to be a finale. And I think this is a hot take, but I personally think that Stranger Things up until this point has been under the Netflix you know sausage extruder i think after season one the show should have just you know um, after season i also one, think that they could call it yeah I, th- I also the... think that it's like it, they could have and don't get me wrong i enjoyed season two and three and i also think that they could have had a good clean ending season three but they weren't gonna do that it's their cash cow you know they're you gotta beat the dead horse until it's dead even more so, yeah, get all the sausage that... out of it to continue the <laughs> analogy. Right. They call that, everybody they knows call that... sausage is made of horse meat. Yeah. <laughs> mm. They call that the Riverdale effect. <laughs> hey, Riverdale got hey. canceled. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nobody is happier than the cast. Nobody is. I will not be convinced otherwise. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I have not watched any of that Follow show since Twitter. like season one. So I've. Avoided it out, like man. the plague. I don't think you've I missed have. the was it? You've missed the epic highs and lows of high school football, <laughs> brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tuning into things like uh what's that show about cake? Something is it a cake? Is it cake? Is it cake? Is cake it not boss. cake? Who knows? Cake. That's a you guys one. know the one. What's the show? I do know the one. I do know the one. Exactly. I don't know what it's called. Where the floor is lava or some other shitty reality TV show Netflix pumps out. Those are where it's at. Those are where that subscription money is going to fill a studio with <laughs> Jello. <laughs> are you into reality dating shows? I, the relationship ones always bounce me off. But like Wipeout, Floor is Lava, all that dumb shit where you have people like falling over. I don't mind watching those every now and then. Leander said physical comedy is peak. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Honestly, and the baking ones. I feel like food shows generally like you can't. Some of them can go wrong. There's that one about Nailed It, where it's like to try to get mm-hmm. shitty like people who don't know how to bake. Oh, yeah, that like one's that a one. fine one. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a totally I don't like good that show. One. Yeah. No, Ned, totally. Yeah. What no. a crap show. Who watches that? <laughs> I just wish every single one of those like competition shows did not have a host. The hosts would kind of ruin it. I don't like any hosts on like any of these shows. I think it's really funny that every single genre of reality show has its own specific host. Like the baking shows all have their own hosts and all the reality shows has mark l Wahlberg as their host it's <laughs> his name is i think mark it, it, m Wahlberg. it's it's just like you you have an idea of what this person is. bojack horseman has a great joke about this that's just like 
carried throughout the show where every time they're having some shitty TMZ type paparazzi newsreel about the characters in the show, they have Adam Conover from College Humor. So he's he's the guy who does like a Adam ruins everything. Adam ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. So he has that series. He pops up and his animated character is literally named in the show Orion Seacrest type. That's that's the name of his oh, character, yeah. and that's the credit that appears under him every time. And it's just like some white dude with a really fun attitude that's going to talk about today's like that's the and that's every reality TV show, every you know one of these TMZ paparazzi shows. It's all the same gross. Eh. I just want to see people eat cake, and fall over. <laughs> you should but you watch, know what's uh, not the it. same and very very novel is uh, our movie of the week which i am very very <laughs> excited to talk about and i apologize for derailing the conversation here <laughs> we're good we did the video game chat so i mean obviously it went to there's, there's four of us like it's just friends hanging out right yeah. yeah it's just four bros chilling in a hot tub bro yeah exactly it's good too because if the four of us are here nobody's listening right so that, <laughs> we, we can be confident that this conversation isn't actually wasting anybody's time viewership of one and it's gonna be my mom <laughs> <laughs> hi mom hi Hashem's mom <laughs> alright so spoiler free reviews what did everybody think of it and how many times have you seen it loved it I think it's probably top 5 favorite movies for me right now and so far I've seen it 3 times once in the theater though the other 2 times were wishy washy wishy washy he was toasted he's making like a hand gesture that doesn't really translate into an I audio am. format he's trying to say he pirated it from the government so go get him yeah yes <laughs> what i you never would. said that how dare you <laughs> i watched it once in the theater and then like one and a half times at home also i freaking loved it mm-hmm. everything almost everything about it mm. almost, <laughs> almost everything, everything everywhere yeah, all at once? i know i think i know exactly almost everything everywhere about. all at once <laughs> no i, I liked it i enjoyed it i saw it once in theaters and then once with my sister at home and I genuinely had a good time. I freaking love to laugh, and I laughed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cute. I, I'm pretty much same as you guys. I saw it three times in theaters, and then once half before this episode. So, yeah. I saw I saw it opening night, IMAX, and then I saw it IMAX again, like, a week later, and then a regular showing a third time. Dang, this guy with his movie pass. I... I am not the same person I was before watching this movie. I think it's a transcendent, transcendental experience. Transcend. What is it? What's the word? No, transcendental. No, you got it. Transcendent. Transcendent experience. <laughs> and I think I am a better, more empathetic, more compassionate person. And so I think everybody should watch it for the betterment yeah, of society, dude. of course. Wow. Okay. Uh, I guess we have we have a representative from A24 on the call, and it's so glad that we managed to get your time to give you insights on this film. Uh, I, I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorites as well, but I'm not going to try to get in the sequel or some shit. Whatever Hassan's trying to oh, do. Oh, I don't want there. a sequel. Absolutely not. <laughs> I do not want a sequel. I think this movie should end as it is. Don't give me any more. Do not give me. I repeat. Dan squared. Please. Please do not give me another one. Wait, everything, everywhere, all at twice. All at twice. (laughs) That's so funny. That's really what took me so long. No, I agree. There doesn't need to be a sequel here, but I I did like the movie a lot. To say it made you a better person, though, I want to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Why do you say that? I don't actually prove your point. 
I don't actually mean it made me a better person, but I think it there's a and I've been complaining about this a lot on the podcast that I find that a lot of corporate media is the same. Every movie is the same. Jurassic World Dominion is just another Jurassic World movie. And I am tired of the same old blockbuster being released every single year. I am tired of the same media being released. And I don't know, I can't remember who the director that I saw an interview of him recently where he was explaining why it's actually detrimental to the industry if you keep churning out the same stuff. But the point of it was that he was saying, if you start to create the same movie over and over and over again, studios start to see that Marvel movies are always making a lot of money. People will start to go to theaters more because they know that it'll just come to Disney Plus in a year anyway, right? And mm-hmm. so you have less money in the industry because people are going to theaters less, which means that you also have less funding for other potentially better ideas. And so his argument was studios should be funding more outlandish stuff. I want to see a shark that's telepathic fly into space. I want to see Buzz Lightyear, but not with Buzz Lightyear. I want to see, like, I don't know, a turtle go into space and discover the meaning of life or some shit. I want to see cool stuff, bro. And I don't think that I see it enough in a lot of the movies that I've been seeing, and that's why I appreciated it a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I thought he was going to roast the fuck out of me there for a no, second. I'm not going to lie. No, I mean, like, I, I, I agree that to to get more weird media out there, you need to appreciate the weird media that's there. You know what I mean? So it's like A24 movies generally are kind of these art house. They attract the audience who kind of cares more about film. Uh, just yeah. from the fact that they, if you make a plot incoherent, people feel smart when they understand it or get the allegory <laughs> to some Bible verse. So, like... A lot of like if you've seen Green Night or Midsummer or like any of these like movies that just require a little bit of thinking or whatever, people think of them as indie darling films, even if they're like funded by big studios or whatever. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that movies like this get popular and let more new directors or new directions get taken with new IP because like I don't love existing stories just being repurposed over and over again as well. What else has A24 made? Because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a film watcher. So I'm just curious as to what else they, they they've also they've funded Midsummer, uh, Lady Bird, Uncut uh, Gems, The Lighthouse, I'm Ex Machina. Yeah. yeah. Like there, there's it. a, thank you. These movies are all generally uh, new IP, which I love because like every yeah. movie that comes out nowadays is a remake of some older movie or like, it, like the, the list of the Oscars that were this past year, right? Big hitters being Nightmare Alley, which is a remake of a movie from the 40s. Dune, which is a remake of a book, which is a remake of a movie or whatever. Like it, they're all copy paste of previous stories. And we're not like out of stories, you know? <laughs> I like to see new things on screen as well, which is, I agree with Hashim's point that like this film being as popular as it is and as loved as it is, is a good sign for the future of like cool films. You know what is a thought that I've had ever since it came out is what if it's not even that good? What if it just, we're just starved for media because everything is the same fucking slog that this movie is not even like the limit of what we could potentially, what it could have potentially been, but we're just like, Oh my God, it's amazing because the bar is on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's like a, Stupid thing to worry about. 
<laughs> yeah, you he just dummy. totally called you an idiot. Well, it is. It is stupid because, like, if you like a thing, justifying that it's not as good because there's some general agreement among movie critics is bullshit. I mean, we always talk about how bullshit the Rotten Tomato score is because audiences are stupid and critics are stupid. Because we have our own idea of what's good and bad. And that's our metric. So, like, if you enjoyed it, like, whatever. No, no. What I mean by that, what I mean by that is I I like when a story goes out of its way to be creative and be outlandish. And so what I mean by that is because a lot of movies tend to play it safe nowadays. Yeah. There might have potentially been a version of this movie that would have been even more out there and that would have explored, you know more themes if you will if that's what you like or been more inventive with the way that the story was told does that make sense i'm not even like that was a stupid way to put it but i don't actually mean it was it would be it would have been objectively better i think if you think about this too much though there will always be a better version of a movie like no movie even your favorite one is entirely perfect and so you could really examine into whether or not we got the best version of it and hypothetically think of us world we could live in in which spider verse was way 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 better and all the scenes we missed out because they got cut from the studio's decisions or whatever like jordine had sent me a twitter link the other day to the creator he just said a twitter link this guy it's called tweets <laughs> <laughs> what a damn boomer in the chat baby it was one of those internet you hyper dummy. drives where you it was like a video of the it was like a video with <laughs> subtitles for what a discussion between the executives at Disney and the creator of Gravity Falls, um, Alex Hirsch. Oh, yeah. Alex yeah. Hirsch, yeah. Yeah, so it was his discussions with the PR people at Disney trying to cut out parts from Gravity Falls and his refusal to do so because it would compromise his artistic integrity for some scenes. And, like, the type of menial shit that gets studio's attention and like you know change this wording because butt face is kind of seen as a derogatory and he's like it's meant to (laughs) like that kind of shit (laughs) you can always hypothetically think oh gravity falls was neutered because we're only seeing the ones that got that we can ridicule at but there's probably a lot of them that made it into the show but like like the media for what it is if you enjoyed it you enjoyed it and all of it is serving the greater purpose of becoming or making i guess the bar for children's entertainment higher or the expectation for independent films higher. So I don't know. It's fine. Just criticize the ones that are yeah. shitty instead of like hypothetically thinking of mm-hmm. the ones that are good as not being that good. I think that's fair. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to de- get into specific parts of the movie or do you want to do this by plot or by broader category? We could judge the film on. Like, maybe we talk about music, or maybe we go scene by scene. Let's do category. I think yeah, that's fun. I, think category. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. First things first. I want to talk about the costume design of this movie. Oh, my God. Because yeah. that's not something I fucking notice ever. You got to say. Yeah. That is oh, my God. Not something I care about. But this movie was something special. I have, I have mas- massive respect for every single person who worked on the costume design for this movie because that is insane. Joy has this like, as a per, I I I don't know what else the actress who played Joy is in, but like her acting plus her. That's her. I think this is her first like movie. God bless her. She's incredible. <laughs> she her yeah. acting plus her costumes plus I guess just her role in the film is, as a as a whole makes her have this incredible presence that just like 
I want her to be on screen all the time. Like, I'm excited to see her show up next. And I guess it's not just necessarily just costumes, but, like, I don't know. Every single piece that she was in was just, like, blew my mind. I agree. I also think, like, they took more care in the actual everyday costumes of the characters. Like, Evelyn's costume was pretty cool. And it's also interesting because you see it change throughout every universe. And it's a distinction that... How do I even describe this? Um, it gives a distinction to each character, air quotes, that she's playing. Does that make sense? And so it's just like there are so many considerations that have to go into that to actually fit into the other universes as well. I just thought that was pretty cool too. I was reading a cool facts about everything everywhere at once before this. I learned that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis picked her own fits for this movie. Really? Yeah. I don't know if like the broken arm was her idea, but I saw that she decided her own wardrobe. I love that. That's actually really funny. Speed. <laughs> I think they the reason why the outfits stood out so much and why like people notice it in this movie is just like they leaned into the idea that if we're going with a multiverse in which anything is possible, then there are no constraints on what we like. The thing that upset me about multiverse of madness was that you have a concept in which your universes have no bounds. The laws of physics might not apply in the next one over, right? Anything Mm -hmm. is possible. This movie had a world where people were hot, hot, hot dogs for fingers. Because fuck it, right? Some ape 100,000 BC or whatever was killed. <laughs> and now they have hot dogs for fingers. That was right? a cool homage too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they had a bunch of those. I love that. Yeah, for like 2001. Like a very cool yeah. scene, right? Multiverse of Madness and a lot of other shows that deep like delve into this idea of multiverses will have like New York, but the trees are blue. Or like... It's just like this, but why? Like, it, you know, it doesn't actually change the laws or, like, the what we consider normal in this universe. Like, even I just saw Lightyear, and I'm going to spoil something for Lightyear. Um, but one of the scenes, they act like somebody is crazy because when they have a sandwich, it's, like, far in the future. And by that point, they've decided that the bread goes inside the sandwich. So it's meat, bread, meat. And they're holding two pieces of meat. And that's the weird thing. Everything else is normal, right? But the one difference is that these sandwiches are inverted, right? That's so And it's funny. like, I, yeah, but it's such a neutered version of what endless possibilities are out there as like a multiverse story. And that's why I love that. Like, uh, fuck it. She's a golfer in this universe. Oh, now she's a dancer with fruit on her head. And oh, now she's like a, a, the people who get chased by bulls at a stampede. Matador. Like, Matador. Matador. Yeah. Like all that shit's so out there and they make it distinct enough that you're like, I get which universe she's in now because of how they design the outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because, well, for one thing, a lot of the characters are very day to day people. The main cast, like Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Evelyn, what's the guy's name? Waymond. Mm-hmm. They're Waymond. all supposed to be normal people. And I think their outfits reflect that well in the main universe it's also kind of interesting because i didn't know that jamie lee curtis picked her own outfit and it like it fits (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. yeah like i guess that's why you have the contrast of like the complete neon colors that a lot of yeah uh, joy's outfits take and the boring regular clothes that they're all i don't know I think it's also just interesting how it communicates a completely different person whenever they switch outfits. Like, you understand that this is, like, a new personality they're putting on. And, like, what is the reason? Fuck it. Who cares? If she controls all the universes, she can do whatever she wants. 
So you'll have scenes like the first scene where you have uh, Joe Butabaki actually show up on screen. Uh, you have her in That's a detective a cool outfit, scene. right? She has, she's in a detective outfit. She puts her hands on Evelyn's head. Evelyn's wearing normal clothes. Cut back after she kills Evelyn. Evelyn's now in a baby outfit, a onesie, and she's wearing a completely new outfit that's like pink and glittery and stuff. And not explained to the audience. Who gives a shit? Because it, it doesn't matter because the whole point of it is that she controls every timeline and can do whatever she wants. So all you need to know is that she wanted it. Why does she have a pig in one scene? Who cares? Fuck you. That was, <laughs> that's my favorite version of her. <laughs> Yeah, even even that scene. I feel like I'm just ranting at this point. But even that scene where she talks about like uh, her as a character is something I want to talk about more. Um, but like yeah. her, you know, I am I can I not be here or are you not allowing me to be here? Her like can and can't relationship with how she views the world. She's like this omnipotent mm-hmm. god, and so it's like killing people blowing them up running them over none of that shit matters because she's like transcended all that and it's just like nihilistic and doomer and like completely upset with the world and like such a cool character evolution i don't know yeah and i feel like we didn't really notice that until or i didn't notice that until the second time watching it when i was like you know what's her like what she's been going through and everything like that line specifically i remember being like i get what you're saying now Right. Like, you don't understand any of the context of the bagel and all that stuff yet. But when that gets explained as to how her philosophy of viewing the world is, it makes sense where she's like, why imposing these systems is completely bullshit. Everything that's happening between us is bullshit. Get out of my way. Like, very cool mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Something else design wise. Sorry, just to like finish out this little section. Mm-hmm. Something else design wise that I appreciated that was just very small compared to all of the rest of this is... That circle. What was Jamie Lee Curtis's name? Deidre. In the movie, Deidre. I don't remember. Deidre. Deidre. Deirdre. Yeah. Deidre. Deirdre. Okay. We got it. Three. Th- three out of one out of three. One of them was right. Yeah. <laughs> when the the circle that she drew on their yep. form or whatever it was was the same circle that was on their heads. I don't know. It was just so like a little detail, but I loved yes. it. I just yes. adore that kind of stuff. I actually I don't, know. don't know if it was necessarily the. Like you're saying the googly eyes? No, no, no. The circle that she drew yeah, on their forms yeah, in the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The movie likes to play around with circles a lot. The first scene that we see of Joy is her staring into a dishwasher, dishwasher, a washing oh, yeah, machine the, like, that's spinning. Right. And so, and there's even like, as far, if I remember correctly, there's a circle in the room where, what's our main girl's name? Evelyn first, like on command changes dimensions, you know? So there's mm-hmm. a they love circles in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, it. it all comes back around. There's probably wow. a lot of that in the movie that we're like missing out on. Like there's a yeah. whole, uh, I guess like theory crafting people do around like what the meaning behind the googly eyes is. I want to get into that side because the philosophy is an entire thing that this movie like yeah. heads into, and I really like the direction they take it. But yeah, I think like the scene setting and stuff is so detailed and so intentional. I just wonder, like, how much of it is missed, you know? Mm -hmm. Unless you pause at every frame, you're not going to notice all the things that they're trying to say with, like, there's a scene where they're cutting rapidly between all the Evelyns, and one of her screaming is her urn. Her ashes are screaming, right? Yeah. What broader meaning does that have? I don't know. But, like, it comes and goes so fast that it doesn't really try to overstay its welcome but it's there if you want to dig into it which is pretty cool i do like that that every piece of design was just like 
I don't know. It feels like it was so carefully like put together. Nothing was really left up to chance mm-hmm. in my head. I don't actually know what's going on. Maybe we're just like examining a lot of things that weren't meant to be examined, but whatever. Like it's it's I really like having that aspect of it. And like, I don't know. I was just going to say we talked about this with Triangle because that movie I felt like had a lot of these sort of things you could talk about theories for every scene with, right? Whether or not an audience member picks that up or it was even intentional by the people who made it almost doesn't matter if you have people who are interested in having the discussion in the first place. So like whether or not there was meaning behind Joy's outfit to decide to have a pig with it, what that means doesn't really matter. The fact that we can have a discussion about what we think it means is evidence that it's a good film anyway. You know? This reminds me of English class when the like high school English class when you're forced to look so in depth to like what the meaning of the tree is in this scene and the author probably didn't even mean anything by it. Right. I think that the reason why it's so easy to craft and theory craft with this movie is because I think the everybody involved seems to exude a level of how do I even say this joy in making the movie. The directors, the actors, every single person, every single interview seems like they're having an amazing time and that they really wanted to do this. And I saw an interview with uh, Michelle Young. Is that her name? Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. um, Where she's like crying because she's like, this is the role that I was waiting for my entire life where I get the opportunity to like show my comedic chops, like action chops. And so it's just like, the movie exudes so much care and so much Passion. attention to detail. It's mm. just, it's so good and it's infectious. And I, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, that's why I think it doesn't even matter whether or not it was intentional because the idea of having these I discussions agree. and feeling like they're valid and coming up with your own thoughts about it is like, like I want to talk a lot about uh, if we can switch to the talking about the philosophy of the movie. I think that yes, that yes. goes like front and center late in the later half about like what the bagel symbolizes what the googly eyes symbolize how the characters change and evolve at the end of the movie and i wanted to hear like everyone else's thoughts on it very quickly because i do think that this will most likely take up the brunt of the episode i do want to get it across that the music is so good in this goddamn movie mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just every single thing like how do you how do you represent somebody slapping you with a hot dog like auditory. <laughs> what does that sound like? I don't know, but apparently it sounds like whatever the hell they did in this movie and they nailed it. And all it's just of, like, I loved it. All of the sound design is really effective at what it aims to do. Yeah. Like it, it definitely pulls out of you a lot of different feelings. I don't know. Maybe that's just me because I hated the sound of the hot dog slapping. No, it definitely but, wasn't nice. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. I, yeah, just like everything else, I think they put a lot of care into it and a lot of effort into making it affect the audience there was like a significant use of like violins and stuff i noticed early on yes that build this like looming sense of like i guess like stress and anxiety with especially the early scenes they have in the laundromat right like it's supposed to be overwhelming and cumbersome and like did you use the right paint this person needs to get their grocery or get their laundry where is it uh meet this girl who is she oh she's my daughter's girlfriend like there's so much chaos going on and so they use these like kind of harsh string stuff in the background that's just always at a level of hum like this (laughs) constant level of stress and nervousness that you build and like as you get later on into the movie where they start like dealing with the more 
you know, taking it as it goes side of philosophy. You have like the rock scene in which there is literally no music or the emotional scenes after that in which it's like individual notes on a piano where it like calms down and kind of like greets you warmly into the idea like life is just life chill hold on a bit like it's i don't know it's definitely crafted intentionally and very cool i think um the rock scene specifically is very very good i think the fact that also apparently that was inspired by one of the directors having a conversation with somebody about how like you know we could have just been rocks at some point like because atoms are like interchangeable and shit so he's like that would be cool to put it in a movie <laughs> and he was right it's that. the one of the best scenes in the entire movie it's also I it's i think not from start to finish actually no from start to finish at the start of the movie evelyn has all the chaos of the receipts in front of her and the movie gets more chaotic and chaotic as it goes on you have multiple different dimensions coming in different people from different dimensions coming in that is the only scene that's like calm and quiet and the only other one that's like that is when evelyn has the heart to heart with joy at the end and Mm -hmm. so i think it's such a good representation of like or a good not even representation what's the word here presentation of like sure how you have to sometimes slow down despite all the chaos in life and focus on what's important such a good movie (laughs) (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, it definitely makes it stand out. 100%. Because everything else is happening. Literally everything is happening. And that one is just like dead silent. Definitely, I think that's my favorite scene. Yeah. The rocks? I respect it. Yes. I respect it. I that. like rocks. Even even the framing, the whole show, like the movie as these like three-part chapter of like everything, everywhere, all at once, right? The Like you have those moments where those captions come up on screen and tell you which chapter you're in that like, feel jarring it like prepares you for what you're about to see it's very the the everything scene where the caption comes on it's just hitting you with a big sound all at once and it's like everything feel stressed feel anxious and then like all by the time you get to all at once it's like the characters have calmed down the world has calmed down it's trying to ease you into this like what i think is this message of like i saw like a few essays about this but it's called optimistic nihilism like yep. the approach to the world in which take everything as it is, derive your own meaning because the world is ultimately this pointless bagel in which whatever we're doing doesn't matter. World's still going to keep moving. The planet's going to explode in X million years, but you can't take that all on yourself and just like be happy with what you have and derive your own meaning. And like, I, that is a very in- <laughs> strong message to take. And they did it in such a good job and such a, good package i guess did i imagine it or did the like the frame ratio change at one point yes yes so, a couple points actually yeah, oh really of, i only noticed scenes. it once there are certain scenes so a lot of the martial arts scenes were shot in is it widescreen is the mm-hmm. actual ratio and then a lot of the one the one that stuck out to me the most is when waymond and uh, evelyn are having that talk in the alleyway and it's just like so much use of negative space. You're focusing only on their facial expression. Oh, I'm I'm like I'm like getting jitters just thinking about it again. You know, I when the when the part one everything came up on the screen, I leaned over to my sister and I was like, "This movie's gonna be a masterpiece." Like I can already feel it. 
Do any other movies do that? Like, I've never, I don't watch many movies, but I've never seen where they actually yeah. physically change. Yeah? Mm, I've yeah. seen, well, movies change aspect ratios, but I can't think of one that you see the, sh- the screen gets, like, so, see the screen change. Like, between shots, they'll switch aspect ratio, right? But in this film, you can see the bars coming in. Yeah. Yes, like physically yes, sliding yes, in. That's and why I noticed yeah. it. To establish, like, a new world is usually what they do. Like, Interstellar, when they cut the space, it would always yeah. be, like, larger. And then widescreen for when they're on a planet, like, make you feel cramped. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like for example, they did do that in Hunger Games. So when Katniss is rising out of the platform to enter the actual game, the aspect ratio mm-hmm. changes from like full screen to widescreen or whatever. I don't actually know. Oh, what the... I do. I think I do remember this. Yeah. But yeah, like I didn't know. Bad movies use it unintentionally. Things like okay. Transformers will cut Transformers. between widescreen <laughs> shot and like full screen shot. And whoever gives accident. a fuck four three whatever. But like even even I just saw Lightyear and Lightyear used it intentionally with when they would frame full screen versus widescreen shots. And that's an animated movie. They have no reason to do that. But it's like <laughs> that sense of like claustrophobia or like intense action that they try to build. It's like good movies use that intentionally, <laughs> and you could tell. I just find it really interesting because before, I guess, I don't know, I'm not, again, I'm not like an avid film watcher, but before watching this movie, I didn't think that aspect ratio really affected me as a person, me as a watcher that much, but I love the way that they used it in this because it felt, you could, like, it was an internal shift in my head, like, when, the, the one that I'm remembering right now, because I just watched this part earlier with Leander, was when Waymond took off his fanny pack and like started to fight to the security see. guards towards the beginning where you can see where you can see the aspect ratio changing something about the fact that it's an internal shift that they're sharing with you is like so interesting to me and that it feels like a different genre at that point like a different genre of film when they do it i just find it really interesting because it didn't aspect ratio does isn't something that i think about when I'm watching other movies. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the like generally people consider it either because like Leander said, a lot of movies use it unintentionally and it's just kind of whatever camera they're using at the time or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever looks the coolest. But this is why I'm saying that this movie was like so good because I think a lot of people are watching it and are gaining or garnering an appreciation for things in film and in cinema that they wouldn't have otherwise. And I love that. The more people are into this shit, the better. Yeah, like because every 100%. decision that it, it feels like, even if it might not be true, was intentional. Like it makes when you notice something feel important, right? And you can put your own kind of philosophy on what every shot is trying to accomplish, right? Like why does the movie start with showing a reflection of the entire family watching TV, being all happy? What does that mean? I don't know. We could talk about it and figure it out but like it's it's putting that out there so that you can do that because it was intentionally put there it wasn't just like some establishing Mm -hmm. shot of a house like it's a full house episode or something like it doesn't it's not that it's completely on purpose every scene yeah i want to talk about your philosophy yeah i I mentioned (laughs) it briefly before i think like this i the the thing i really like is this idea that okay the direction let me just cut right to the chase here with the ending being that joy joy goes in to the black hole goes into the bagel that sucks everything in right like or that allowing her to fall off the cliff descend into that and having her own choice be to come out of it and embrace her family and stuff i think is like not something that most media 
tackles, at least in a good way, the embracing the idea that the world is pointless, which is why I called it this optimistic nihilism. We're not trying to give this person a fulfilling life by giving them like someone to love or like a perfect job, right? Like she has someone who loves her. She's in a relationship. That's not where her fulfillment comes from. It comes from this internal belief that what she cares about matters and that there are people who care about her, right? And I really, really like that. And I don't think it's something that movies ever take on in a deeper sense. It's usually about trying to fix the problems of the world instead of having to look into yourself. And yeah, I don't I know. What, what were your thoughts? I also think it was very, uh, my own opinion, I think it was very overt with that message. The last, where, where Evelyn and Joy have that heart to heart, she gives her a hug and she says nothing matters and Joy laughs because it's it's viewed as a positive thing in this context i also think that the movie like i said is very chaotic there is always a lot going on yet Mm -hmm. they still ground it with the character's internal struggles there's always like i always forget what joy's interstellar name is what is it jobu tubaki jobu tubaki hell yeah bro tupaki tupaki jobu yeah get it right please jobu tupaki <laughs> jobu tupaki did i get it yeah, yeah. is that yeah, right you got it you got it yeah yeah, yeah thanks yeah. thanks leander thanks leander. <laughs> jobu Joy tupaki yeah joy jabawakis yeah jabawaki <laughs> uh she mirrors the actual struggle that joy like regular joy is facing in her real life that she doesn't feel like she belongs that she is facing alienation from her mother it's also like Evelyn places a lot of pressure on her daughter and you see that mirrored in basically every other universe. And so it ties all of it together that all of these, you know, theories and philosophies are all drawn from your actual internal, not internal, external experiences. I just thought it was really, really good and really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I I think about whether or not, like this the i don't know when you said that it's like very overt with it i'm not sure if people pick up on that like i think if 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 you ask someone what the googly eyes mean right i'm i'm sure you'd have Oh, i some, don't know about that one. I guess let's let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Uh, what like Noel Jordan, what did you guys think about like what the googly eyes mean, what the bagel means, what are those like if you had to attribute them to some belief or message the director is trying to get across, like where where do they fall? Because I think I have my own version of what I think they believe, but I like I don't know if that's true. It's more like my own headcanon. I haven't exactly fleshed this out, so I'm just like going on the spot here. But in my head, it's kind of the same nothing matters kind of idea. Like they're just like they're just things, right? The everything bagel could be whatever it wanted it they wanted it to be. Like it could have been. I can't think of anything now. <laughs> I can't think of anything now. That's like. Kind of like an inconsequential thing. Right. You know, like it very well could have been literally anything, but I don't know. I get get what you're saying. No, listen, because what she says when she establishes the bagel is like, I put all my dreams, my hopes, my grades on this report card, my failure of this driver's license. Like she, those aren't actual examples, but like, that's the start of, I think what you're getting at is like all the menial shit in life into this bagel and when i put it all here and externalize it i can realize it's a bagel nothing matters this all all of this it is could unimportant. be anything it, it could, could be, be anything. anything yeah everything yeah. is yeah. yeah which is a cool concept i don't know the googly eyes i can't really put my finger on i don't i don't really know about the googly eyes 
like, I, I don't know, Noelle? <laughs> <laughs> Pass the baton to you. <laughs> the only thing that I can think of with the goo goo guys, and it's not even like philosophy, is that she was so adamant about like taking them off things at the beginning. Um, that's all I got. Maybe it's the, maybe it's <laughs> the same kind of thing, right? Like, nothing matters. Why would I take these off? Fuck it. I'll just put these on now. I don't know. I think. I have I have two ideas here. One is that I think both items are inconsequential, like we're saying. I think they're both interchangeable, and it also makes sense because they're both the inverse color of each other. So the everything bagel is black on the outside, white on the inside, and then the googly eyes is black on the on the inside, white on the outside. So they could mean the same thing but flipped. I do think that the bagel in this case is supposed to be the nothing matters and I am alone in all of it because Joy sees herself as isolated from the rest of the multiverse, so to speak, which is where all of her despair is coming from. I think the googly eyes are supposed to be the nothing matters, yet there is so much for me to experience in the world as I am. There's so much for me to, like there are so many people that love me, there are so many people that I could potentially love. And so it's like Leander said, it's an optimistic way of viewing the world. I also think it's that kind of ties back into Waymond a little bit because he has, I think, the same outlook for the entire movie where he is kind of like, whatever, who cares? You know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but I still think that you should be kind to each other and that you should still be good to your fellow man and i think he mentions that as well where he says that like you know i'm fighting my own battles as well every single day and to me i think that battle is him convincing himself to be optimistic despite the propensity for you to fall into despair you know like looking for the little joys in life yeah where you can find them yeah yeah and that's why he sticks googly eyes on everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah right your opposite color theory thing like the bagel is white is black with white in the middle and the googly eyes are white with black. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, I feel like that's like the tiny thing, like, like I was talking about English class. I feel like that's the tiny thing that does anyone in like, did, was that intentional? Did they realize that in the movie? I don't know. But things like that, (laughs) things like that, just like, mm, they feel so good to realize. So Hashem, you're a genius. I don't (laughs) think Yeah. Like somehow everything in this film feels very earned. Like everything that we're taking from this feels really earned. Like it, it, I don't know what it is about it, but like, for example, if you're in English class and you're getting asked to analyze a tree or the color of a book or something like that, for some reason, I don't know why, maybe it's just because I'm more interested in this film than I am some random short <laughs> story, Shakespeare. but it feels much more earned in this film and it feels much more like there was intention behind all of these decisions. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's it's so not like i feel good about analyzing this kind of stuff it's it's not arbitrary because like what you guys are pointing out is absolutely important like the start of the movie with them drawing the circle over it, that's supposed to mean the bagel right she staples it mm. to her forehead that's the follower of the tribe that represents the bagel it all yeah. ties in later on and the googly eyes climax of the film she spawns googly eyes on her body and shoots them out at everybody right uh, I've seen a lot of like analogies to yin and yang with the whole black white symbolism yeah. thing that Hashem was talking about as That's well that one fair. needs the other and they're both philosophies that like can't live without one another so there'll always be stressors in your life but you also always need to look for gratitude and things to be appreciative of and other people to help take on the burden because we're social creatures and like th- there is a lot 
to be said there, but I think like what you said about it being Wayman carrying her through this or having the same philosophy that she can take from him is something that like I only it, it took like a few view- viewings for me to fully grasp that but yeah i agree like looking for the goodness in boring menial shit everyday work like the clothes will feel happier there whatever right little things that bring you joy i think is what the movie is trying to get across is like helping people being together connecting with others is just like where you derive joy from even if everything else in the world is pointless joy. even if there's like a war going on somewhere or something is really bothering you you have paperwork and shit to do i don't know i i really appreciate this like outlook that they kind of end on in which it's not like everything got resolved it's that you have characters who have kind of gotten close enough to be able to deal with the problems together nothing was like yeah their taxes didn't go away or like their liability wasn't fixed or their marriage isn't like repaired you don't know if they're going to get divorced but even if they do it's like not the end of the world because like how they're approaching solving those problems is together and open and less like siloed and i don't know i really appreciated that i think that's fair i also think you see it in the actual story joy doesn't go with them for the first tax audit and then at the end of the movie, the whole family's there. I also think that it's like, I don't know. It's so much. There's so much to dissect and there's so much to go through. Like there was another analysis that I saw online the other day was that the boulder falling off of the cliff was supposed to represent Sisyphus's boulder. And it's like the representation here is that Joy falls off first because she is... Anytime she comes to the realization that nothing matters, she is essentially plummeting to the bottom of the hill and falling into despair. But the reason why Joy follows her afterwards is to essentially drag her up. And it was like drawing a positive meaning from Sisyphus's plight that even though he's pushing the boulder up every single day, he's doing so because he's like, you know, there could potentially still be something else left to enjoy, despite the fact that he's continued to do it so fruitlessly for so long. I don't know, man. There's a lot here. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If, if your life is Sisyphus's, right, trying to find something to derive joy from that is pushing a boulder up, even if it'll fall, it's, like, worth it. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about Hadestown. Like, Jordina and I, I went to a Broadway show recently, and Hadestown, the entire show, kind of establishes in the chorus that this is a tragedy but we sing it anyway. Like, it's a tragedy. We know it's going to end in a sad way. We know we're going to feel sad at the end of it. But it's about going on the journey anyway that we as an audience derive meaning from and why Hades Town is still on Broadway, even though people cry at the end. <laughs> yeah. This movie made me cry a bunch of times, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the relationship between Joy and her mom is just, like, so real and well-acted and very cute. Especially, like, the ending where it's, like, uh, you know, in a million and all these multiverses, why would you choose to hang out with me? It's like, I could be anywhere better, but <laughs> I love yeah. you. I don't know. It's very cute. It's just there's a growing trend that I'm finding. And maybe it's because I I just watched Encanto and Turning Red and this movie. A lot of people are facing the issues that they had with their parents and putting them on film. And I don't know if it's because, like, there's a lot more millennial, like, filmmakers now and just they have a lot of issues with their parents. But I think this movie handles the idea of generational trauma or generational neglect so fucking well. Like, it's 
yeah. absurd how much Evelyn's attitude towards Joy is basically the exact same as Evelyn's to her father. And she has to grow to actually accept that you have to change despite the fact that, you know, your dad fucked up. You don't have to do the same thing. I don't know. Fully agree. I, I think the thing is that I find from this movie that's different than Encanto and Turning Red, though, is that you start off the movie on the basis that the parents are being unreasonable in those movies. You know, I, I feel like it. the the thing here isn't that you're trying to paint that without growing or how do I put this? Like Evelyn isn't the problem in this movie. The world is the problem, right? Both oh, of them have their individual that. like. Well, no, Evelyn has a certain philosophy that maybe Joy has kind of learned from and is depressed about, right? But it's not Evelyn's fault, you know? It wasn't like her misaction is what caused Joy to be a certain way. The world is also like imposing this constant level of stressors that her and her family need to deal with. She just hasn't prioritized her daughter in them, right? These other movies have, like, Encanto's grandmother being unreasonable about how she upholds tradition, right? Or Turning Red, same thing. Tradition being this, like, end goal. But, like, here, it's, like, trying to figure out tax shit and get bills paid and run a laundromat. Like, it's regular stressors of human life that is just, you know, she's not prioritizing her family or her loved ones, and that's what's the problem. It's not that she had some, like, uh... I guess you could say, like, how she treats telling her granddad about uh the fact that she's dating a woman but like i find I, that that's less important than like the the relationship she has with her daughter i i personally disagree with you here i i i do understand where you're coming from because i do think that those movies definitely have the we'll say parental figure as very much sticking to their their tradition but the reason why i think that that translates here is because the Parental figures in Turning Red and Encanto are just doing that because of a generational difference. And I think this this is why I'm saying this movie does it well, because it represents that very well. Evelyn has technically no problem with her daughter being gay. But when faced with the idea that Jobu Tupaki might be taking over her daughter, her first instinct is to be like, wait a minute, you're not actually gay, you're not actually depressed, it's her influence on you. And so it's not the fact that she's rejecting it. It's that she's looking for another explanation outside of the fact that her daughter might just be the way that she is. You know what I mean? And she has to actually grow and overcome that. This, unfortunately, not like her father did. Does that make sense? I'm not even saying, like, I'm not even saying that Evelyn is right or wrong or Joy is right or wrong. I'm just saying this movie does a better representation of how generational trauma comes about from cultural and generational differences between the parent and the and the child right like they didn't understand that okay i guess i get what you're saying but like they didn't portray evelyn as understanding that her daughter was gay she externalized it into some forces making her this way some yeah. forces making even, her different yeah and even like her depression as well because i think it's it's pretty heavy-handed that joy is depressed throughout the rest of the movie or throughout the entirety of the movie and you know, Evelyn brushes it off as an external influence and doesn't assume that there might be anything else that might be influencing that or that it might just be, you know, your daughter's sick. What's up, Noah? I feel, like that could, I feel like that could also be like that just you guys saying that reminds me of religion, which could also maybe like be an in, like a theme in this movie, like externalizing like, oh, my daughter's gay because of like 
the devil. Yeah, that's just that's just what that makes me think of. It, it could be. I mean, that that's that's a pretty big umbrella. I I still think like in in my head it was not that. I, okay, I didn't see it so much as this story is about Evelyn growing to be a better mom. Like I didn't see it like that as no. all at all. It was like a journey into Evelyn's own idea of how she approaches the world or views philosophy because it's like the end of her becoming this googly-eyed princess who sends shit out like you know solves everybody's problems that kicked ass right and it was not because she learned something from her daughter or found some realization in her daughter she used it to save her daughter but it was her garnering an appreciation for her husband and realizing the trauma that her parent had inflicted on her, you know, by like feeling exiled, yeah. feeling that and that being relatable with her daughter helped their relationship, which is why I see it more of like a it, she's going on the journey that the children did in Encanto and Turning Red. And it just fixes that trauma alongside it rather than the parent being the cause of it or like carrying it through. Does that make sense? I think so i don't think i agree because i the reason i'm well i don't think the children go through the journey in encanto or turning red i think they are the main focus of the story by the way i'm not like i just want to preface that i don't think that the goal of the story is to have evelyn become a better mother i'm just saying that was a consequence of her evolving as a character mm, that's what i meant mm. to say yeah yeah but i think i agree in encanto and turning red the characters or the kids are the main characters but at the end of the day the person who apologizes and who has to actually affect change is the maternal or paternal figure right like mm -hmm. in encanto the the grandmother shows up and apologizes to what's the girl's name mirabel uh mirabel, mirabel? yeah mm -hmm. mirabel I think this yeah. is the same thing. Joy doesn't necessarily apologize, but I also think that Joy changes throughout the movie. They just get Evelyn. closer together. No, no, I'm Ev saying Joy. I'm saying the daughter oh. also changes. I'm saying Joy changes because I'm talking about the children, right? But I still think that ultimately Evelyn going through the character growth was her, you know, getting closer to her daughter as well. I fumbled the end there. I was I had a I had a train of thought and I lost it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I think I think I just have a much more sympathetic view towards the parents in these movies or in this movie than in most of these like child coming of age things. Because oftentimes it's a parent upholding some tradition for an arbitrary reason. But this one felt like just a a person in the world under immense stress from every part of their life and it coming to a head all at once, you know, and dealing with that dealing with her parental trauma and her business failing i and agree all this stuff going on with like chinese new year and trying to maintain a relationship with her parents like all of that coming to a head at once is kind of the inciting action and her learning to deal with that happens to fix the relationship maybe we're agreeing with the same yeah. thing but like yeah no i think we are but i i also think that um i don't think tradition can be attributed to a specific thought process and I'll use religion as an example. I don't think Evelyn is necessarily religious in this movie. But yeah. I do think that she is upholding certain cultural practices that she learned from her parents that she deems to be, uh, how do I say, good behavior. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's why I'm agreeing with you because her learning and understanding how that affected her from her father is the reason why she changes her behavior with her daughter. 
Yeah. I think in the other movies, it's just the parents. I agree with you. It's just, you know, they want to uphold a tradition of being the matriarch or whatever. And then right. they have to be a little bit more flexible at the end. But this is like, I agree with you. This is why I think it's the best representation <laughs> so far. Thus ends our TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I did want to talk about a little bit. Uh, we're talking about philosophies. I do think this movie a little bit touches on absurdism. And I wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. Define absurdism. You... I don't think I understand Yeah, give that. me a give me a quick summary. Like, the spark notes. Uh, how do I even describe it? It's essentially like there is no meaning. It's just chaos. You know? No. Does that even make sense? <laughs> I think absurdism is a uh, – as a philosophy is that the meaning – there is no inherent meaning to life. And that like life itself is intangible. And that everything draws from chaos. So it's like... The belief that human beings exist in a purposeless, chaotic universe. I mean, I definitely think that Joy believes that. No, but that that's where I get that the... Like, that's my idea of what this optimistic nihilist approach at the end is. Like, it, it's true. <laughs> you know, we are in a chaotic universe. No one knows where consciousness comes from. And you could live or die at any moment or minute and nothing matters at the end of the day. But the characters don't like realize something that kicks them out of that. They just learn to appreciate the relationships and stuff that they have anyway. So I, I, like, I, I think don't think that's a bad right. philosophy inherently to have this, like everything is chaotic. Everything is chaotic. We're like hurling through space. A meteor could come and blow us all up. Right. But the relationships we have with one another is the driving force for where we derive meaning. That's, that's what I liked about the movie. I'm doing like a quick Google search on this. Sorry. No, no, I, I, I'm going to give my understanding or the differences between nihilism and absurdism. But from my understanding, they both draw the same conclusion that life has no inherent meaning. Nihilism says that life has no meaning at all. Absurdism says that life has no meaning because inherently we are all purposelessly in chaos or whatever. I think the difference here is that absurdism likes to explore why humans try to find meaning in a inherently chaotic world and nihilism is that you have to find meaning within yourself and not because of your external surroundings does that make sense yeah yeah you're kind of right what i'm understanding is that okay absurdism is basically like they're they're both pretty intertwined in that there is no meaning everything is chaos etc etc yeah we're just existing for no reason absurdism is more of like rebelling against that because you're upset about that fact upset about there being no meaning or like not like yeah that's pretty much it like you don't like that there is no meaning so you're trying to find something mm. um not uh, what'd you say optimistic not, nihilism yeah optimistic nihilism is essentially accepting that there is no meaning and being like yeah cool throw good. googly eyes on it i'll go with it yeah that's what i'm saying yeah, that's exactly that's the approach that like I, I don't know. Put googly eyes on. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, doesn't matter. That's nice. Nothing. That that's. I, I feel like the reason this movie resonated for me is because, like, as a life philosophy, I think I'm way on board with that. Right. Like, I don't like like small things. Right. What you put on a resume and shit. Right. Putting emoticons in emails and shit. Like these arbitrary systems that we take for granted as being the way things are. Right. Like, why does it matter? Personality matters. Like, you know, enjoying random. Uh, I hate that walking in my city 
takes 30 minutes because it's all car based right but there's a coffee shop at the end that gives me a drink i like so i do that walk every time because it's like little things that bring you joy matter and like that's true that's a good point i think i get it i think i get it (laughs) that caramel macchiato better slap if you're risking 30 minutes (laughs) in a non-walkable city bro yeah it's also it like that that like getting joy out of you know what is an inherently like irritating process right to get to your coffee shop or whatever but also at the same time like so like okay let me restart this first of all yes finding joy in things that might otherwise give you grief but also realizing that little things like how many exclamation points to put at the end of a sentence don't matter so much right like why are we putting so much weight on certain things and not appreciating others. Right. I guess. Like how many retweets you got on some random half thought you had in the shower. Like, is that Listen, a- That's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's pretty important to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I say, bro. I, I think that there, there there's something there that I feel like I hope people take from this movie in that this stuff doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing inherently has meaning. It's only what you give meaning that matters. So fuck it. Throw it all on a bagel. Put it externally out from you. And, you know care about the things you care about i i i really like the message i and it also helps that it's funny and has great action scenes yes great going a little long to talk about any of that but yeah i i like it i agree with you optimistic optimistic nihilism is probably the most good philosophy (laughs) i win i don't even know that's it he said it i win no you can stop i didn't even i never disagreed with you i never disagreed with you 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 can't because i won anyway let's give it a rating Bagel seems like a good one. No, googly eyes. Googly eyes. Googly eyes. Googly okay. eyes. <laughs> All right. Sorry, um, that sounded really bitchy. Can you say go- googly eyes as if you suggested it? No, no, no. We're gonna keep that in. Where you yelled at me. <laughs> okay. All right, Noel, hit us with a rating. I would give it a ten out of twelve googly eyes. You're a piece of shit. I hate okay. you. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Thirteen. Twelve out of twelve googly eyes. Cute. Very cute. I love this movie. I got to uh, give it a 12 out of 12 as well. I think I also want to give it a 12 out of 12. Can I, I change mine? No. No. You can't change yours. I was thinking about 11, though. I was thinking about 11. There's like. You the, can't change it. The, the butt plug stuff is like not my sense of humor. No. That's why. Yeah. Good. yeah. It's it's not me. I don't know. I I could laugh at it because it's ridiculous, like you said, but it's just like. On rewatches, it never really gets me. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> this is why Jordine gets get me. Jordine is a fine artist. She's the only one that understands media in this household. I think I'm going to say 11. Like... <laughs> Actually, I'm going to retroact. I think I also have a little pea brain. So, like, when things get deeper and, like, more philosophical and, like, you have to think. Like, you were talking, like, when a plot is a little bit deeper and you have to think a little bit, you feel smart. I'm not smart enough for that. I just, <laughs> I'm just so, it, I'm not that, yeah. It missed. It misses its targets on me. It just it goes over my head. So, my rating is my. It's not the movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a it's a rating of me. Yeah. And me watching the movie, not the movie itself. You know. These are all subjective. We're not saying that. No, no, no. But I in feel this wrong, case... and so far I've justified myself. In this case, it's objective. You guys are all wrong. Except oh, for sorry. I take it back. <laughs> sorry, Noel. <laughs> That's fine. We're part of the twelve out of twelve club. Hell so yeah, bro. Yeah. I want to keep my admission. <laughs> Jordine's right. invited to the barbecue. You guys aren't. <laughs> Let's go. That's fine. You guys, you guys have fun. 
<laughs> Leander doesn't want to come. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to come. Lame club anyway. You guys are going to play gonna 12 out of 12 movies that I don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's our rec for next week or the week after? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know, Noelle. usually do it. So What did we pick? Let's hear I don't know, Jardine. What did you pick? What did we pick? What did they we forgot. pick, Jardine? Hashem, they forgot. We picked... We picked, I had to check it on my phone. We picked Ron's Gone Wrong. Okay. Have I told you about this movie? It's an it's an animated film. Um, I watched it like late 2021, I believe. I don't know. I really liked it. So that means you guys will probably hate it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll probably <laughs> like it, but Leander will hate it. You have a fine time. <laughs> I hope you don't regret watching it. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't think I will. So many oh, cool. I need to say that again because I every single. I need to say that again because I just said regret. I just need to say. I need to say it again. I need to take. I need to take two. I hope you. I hope you guys don't regret watching it. Regret. <laughs> regret. She said regret. If we acknowledge it enough, she can't cut it out, right? Like Ooh, we're just gonna keep all this in. That's so funny. You dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on this episode, y'all. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy I could see your faces. Thanks for joining us. You guys should record like this. I think we should, if I'm being honest. I do. I, uh, what is it called? Gesticulate? Is that what it's called? What is this? But, but, excuse me? The problem, is that the, the problem is that's bad because audiences can't see that. So you conveying things No, but you can. I'm just looking out for our listeners, man. I just want the best experience for them. And y'all can, y'all can at me, but also don't look at me. Don't perceive me. When I like nod my head when Hashim says some dumb shit, I don't want people to see that. By people, I, I mean Hashem. If you want to tune into more of Leander looking out for the listener, you can follow us at Jump Cut FM <laughs> nice. on Twitter, mm-hmm. or you can find us go. at Jump Cut FM. Um, yeah. What's your What's your Twitter, Jordine? I I always forget. It's just always slips my mind. Mine, it's let me check. <laughs> it's at. <laughs> It's at default bird, and you can find my shop on Instagram at bluemoon.paper or ba 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 ba. I launched a website. I don't know if you guys talked about it. Bluemoonpaper.myshopify.com. Check nice. me out. I have no views. Help. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> don't find me. No. No, well, just doesn't perceived. have an internet. <laughs> <laughs> she actually lives in a in a hobbit hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Send well, me a carrier yeah, You pigeon. can't send her any Twitter links. No. So watch Ron's Gone Wrong for next week. And uh, it'll be your favorite host back again. Yeah. Jordina and Noel. Yeah, me and Noel. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. All right. We won't be back next week. So. Thanks for listening, y'all. It's, it's been, been real. real.